Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, episode titled, At Bertram's Hotel, where during a stay at one of London's most elegant and venerable hotels, Miss Marple uncovers a sinister undercurrent of corruption and murder. This will be a five-part series. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. My two weeks holiday up in town was coming to an end, and I cannot say that I greatly regretted it. It had been pleasant to go back to the world of my childhood, but I was beginning to suspect that something very sinister was going on at Bertram's. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple and Frederick Yeager as Chief Inspector Davy in Agatha Christie's At Bertram's Hotel. There was one thing at least which helped to set my mind at rest. Poor Canon Pennyfather had been found at last. But when Chief Inspector Davy and Inspector Campbell went down to Chadminster to see him, the mystery of his disappearance seemed more inexplicable than ever. I'm afraid that I I simply cannot remember anything at all, Inspector. You said you were knocked down by a car. You must remember that, surely. Well, I'm afraid I can't. Then how do you know that a car did hit you? Oh, uh, the the woman there, um, what did you say her name was, Mrs. McRae? Her name was Mrs. Wheeling, Canon Pennyfather. Ah, yes, of course, yes, uh, well... She told me about it. And how did she come to know that, sir? Oh, dear, dear me, you're quite right. She couldn't really have known, could she? <clears throat> no, I, I suppose she found me lying by the side of the road and thought that is what had happened. And you really cannot remember anything. How did you come to be in Milton St. John? I've no idea. Even the name is quite unfamiliar to me. For goodness sake, I'm sure you... Gently does it, Campbell. Mm. Sorry, sir. Just um, tell us the last thing that you do remember, sir. Uh, Well, uh, I was going to Lucerne to a congress. I took a taxi to the air terminal. And do you remember arriving at the air terminal? Oh, I suppose so. And you caught the flight for Lucerne? Did I? Well, I don't remember doing so. (laughs) Well, then did you go back to Bertram's Hotel that night? I I can't remember. Do do you remember travelling on a train? A train? (laughs) No, I, I don't recall any train. There was a hold-up. The train was robbed. Surely, Canon Pennyfather, you can remember that. Well, dear me, I, I ought to ought I? But somehow, um, I don't. <sighs> then your story is that you remember nothing after going in the taxi to the air terminal until you woke up in Mrs Wheeling's cottage at Milton St John. Well, there's nothing unusual in that, you know. It happens quite often in cases of concussion. When you woke up, what did you think had happened to you? I had such a headache, I really couldn't think at all. 
I just couldn't understand how I'd got there. It was Mrs. Wheeling who explained that she and her husband had found him lying in the road. And she brought me some truly excellent soup. She called me dearie and ducks, but really she was very kind. Uh, she ought to have reported the incident to the police. Then you would have been taken to the hospital and properly looked after. I don't think she cared much for the police. No. She looked after me very well, and I understand that with concussion there's very little you can do except keep the patient quiet. Uh, yes, well, sir, if you do remember anything... Four whole days. Four whole days lost out of my life. The doctor tells me that it may well come back to me, but it's quite possible that I shall never know. <laughs> you, you, you must excuse me. I, I think I'm ra rather tired. That's quite enough now, gentlemen. The doctor was most insistent that the cannon shouldn't be worried. The walls of Jericho. What was that? Come on now. You must let the poor man sleep. What was that he said just as we were leaving, Campbell? Did you catch it? Uh, I thought he said the walls of Jericho. What could he mean by that? Hmm. That woman who said she saw him on the train after the hold-up, can she possibly be right? After all, Milton St. John is only a short drive away from where the Irish male was robbed, but I can't see how he could possibly be involved in it all. He's such a terribly respectable old boy. We can't possibly suspect a canon of Chadminster Cathedral of being mixed up in a train robbery. No. No more than we can suspect Mr. Justice Ludgrove of being mixed up in a bank hold-up. It's a very curious business. And they were both staying at Bertram's hotel. Hmm. So, what's the next step, sir? Well, I'm going to have a little chat with a man called Robert Hoffman. The chief got his name by pulling a few quiet strings. Hmm. Hoffman's Swiss, but he lives in London. He and his brother are diamond merchants, and they've got a good deal of influence in banking circles. Always on the right side of the law, of course. But what have the Hoffman brothers to do with the robbery of the Irish mail? That remains to be seen. What I do know is that the Hoffman brothers own a lot of property in London, not usually under their own names. And I have reason to believe that they are the real owners of Bertram's Hotel. It is some years since we last met, Chief Inspector. I forget the exact circumstances. The Aranberg Diamonds case. Of course that was it. And you were an excellent witness for the Crown, if I may oh. say so. The defence was quite unable to shake you. I am not easily shaken. But I am sure you did not come here to talk about the past. What can I do for you? No trouble, I hope. Uh, I always wish to remain... On good terms with the police. Oh, I simply hoped you might be able to give me a little information about Bertram's Hotel. Bertram's Hotel. Hmm. You have a connection with it, I believe, Mr. Hoffman. Oh, there are so many things. One cannot possibly remember them all. So many businesses and so many places. <laughs> well, perhaps I shouldn't have said a connection. As a matter of fact, you own the place, don't you? Oh, who could have told you that, I wonder? Well, it's true, isn't it? Very nice little enterprise, I should say. I was there only the other day. Agreeable, old-fashioned clientele. Comfortable, old-fashioned premises. Nothing rackety about it. 
a lot of luxury without being luxurious. I know very little about it personally. It is just one of my investments, but I hear that it is doing well. And you have a first-rate man running it. Mr. Humphreys, if I remember right. Humphreys, yes. An excellent man. I leave everything to him. You, you say you are at Bertram's Hotel the other day, not officially, I hope. Oh, nothing serious. Mm. What you might call the case of the disappearing clergyman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you English and your Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I hope the staff give you every assistance. Oh, they couldn't have been nicer. Hmm. Miss Gorringe was most helpful. She's been with you quite some time, I believe. Uh, possibly. I really know very little about the place. I, I'm surprised that you even knew that it belonged to me. You must understand that Bertram's is only part of a chain of properties in London. Are there any other directors apart from you and your brother? Lord Pomfret, Abel Isaacson. Mm -hmm. Do you really need to know these things just because you are looking into the case of a disappearing clergyman? I suppose it's really just curiosity. Oh. Looking for my lost clergyman was what took me to Bertram's, but then I got interested in it, if you know what I mean. And now I trust your curiosity is satisfied. Well, one thing I'd really like to know is where Bertrams get hold of their staff. Uh, now, that fellow who serves tea and muffins, um, Henry, he looks as if he might be an archduke or a bishop. You like muffins with plenty of butter, I see, Chief Inspector. Yes, I suppose I do. But you really can't expect me to tell you where the staff come from. That is the matter I leave entirely in the capable hands of Mr. Humphreys. I hope you find your clergyman. Oh, I uh, found him. Oh, disappointing case, really. He had an accident and got concussion. It's as simple as that. Ah. I am glad it was all cleared up so easily. Goodbye, then, Inspector. Yeah. Oh, by the way, is Lady Sedgwick a director of your company? Lady Sedgwick? No, why should she be? Oh, well, one, one hears things. Just a shareholder, then? Uh, yes, I believe so. Well, then, goodbye, Mr. Hoffman. Bye. Thank you. You've been most helpful. <laughs> so, how did Hoffman take your barging in like that? Well, he certainly wasn't pleased that we'd found out he owned the place, Sir Ronald. It came as quite a shock to him. What did he say? Oh, we kept it all very formal and polite, but he was fairly curious about how I could have found out. Well, I hope you didn't oblige him with that information. I most certainly did not. And you think the Hoffman brothers might be behind the whole criminal network? I think it's a strong possibility, yes. Well, it could account for a lot. They'd never be obviously connected with anything criminal themselves, of course. They, they, they don't organise crime, but they might well finance it. Mm. Brother Wilhelm deals with the banking side from Switzerland. Well, he was behind those currency rackets uh, just after the war. Oh, yes. Uh, though we were never able to prove it. The brothers controlled a great deal of money, and they used to back all kinds of enterprises. Some legitimate, but some very definitely not. Robert's operation in England is very cleverly organised. Diamonds, banking office buildings, hotels and restaurants, all thriving and apparently all owned by somebody else. Davy, hmm. what do you think? Are the Hoffman brothers responsible for these organised robberies? No, as you say, they only deal with the finance. We've got to look elsewhere for the person who actually plans them. And whoever it is, he's a first-class brain. 
Good evening, sir. Though that's no way to describe it. Nasty. Foggy, treacherous and damp. Yeah, shouldn't have thought anyone would be about tonight. It didn't need to be. No. I, I've been telling all the old biddies here to stay inside where it's warm. Likely to catch the death of cold on a night like this, or at least get their bags stolen. Notice the racing Mercedes is parked down the street again. Is that so, sir? Mm, there's another one, just like it. Parked not 50 yards from it. Well, that really is a curious thing. Uh, were you wanting a taxi, sir? <laughs> I don't imagine you could get one for me, even if I did. Not on a night like this. But in any case, I've got business in the hotel. Would it still be the missing clergyman, sir? No, no, not any longer. He's been found. Oh, well, that's good news. And where did they find the old gentleman? Wandering about with a concussion after an accident. Just what you might expect. Cross the road without looking, I shouldn't wonder. <laughs> Something of the sort. Um, is Miss Gorringe still on duty? Yes, sir. You'll find her behind the reception desk, as usual. It's you again, Inspector. And what can I do for you? Uh, did you wish to speak to Mr. Humphreys? No, thank you, Miss Gorringe. That won't be necessary this evening. I just wanted to take another look at your register, if you've no objection. Of course, Chief Inspector. Here you are. Thank you. Um, Canon Pennyfather hasn't been in, I suppose. Canon Pennyfather? What do you mean? You know he's turned up again. No! Uh, nobody told me. Where? Some place in the country. Car accident, it seems. Some good Samaritan picked him up and looked after him. Oh, uh, I am pleased. I was getting quite worried about him. Mm, so were his friends, Miss Gorringe. Actually, I was looking to see whether one of them might be staying here now. An archdeacon, somebody or other. I'd hoped that the register might remind me what his name was. Oh, do you mean Archdeacon Tomkinson? Uh, he's coming up from Salisbury tomorrow. Um, no, no, I don't think that was his name. Oh, it's not really that important. <laughs> well, it seems very quiet in here tonight. Well, it's, it's not a very nice evening. <laughs> Isn't that Miss Marple sitting over there by the fire? Yes, it is. I think I might have a quiet word with her. I'm leaving tomorrow, Inspector. It's the end of my fortnight's holiday. Ah, you've enjoyed it, I hope. In a way, yes. And in another way, no? It's difficult to explain what I mean. Miss Marple, I don't think anyone can overhear us here. Is there something that you wish to tell me? I don't know whether I ought to do so. It's really none of my business. I would like you to understand that I'm not really fond of interfering, though usually well-meant, it can often cause a great deal of harm. Oh, yes, I'm sure you're right. Sometimes one sees people doing things that seem to one unwise, even dangerous, but has one the right to interfere. Is this something to do with Canon Penny, Father? Oh, dear, no. Nothing whatever to do with him. It concerns a girl. Oh, uh, and you think that I might be able to help? I simply don't know, but I'm worried, very worried. One reads in the papers of young girls said to be in need of care and protection. And you think the girl you mentioned is in need of care and protection, do you? Yes, yes, I do. Alone in the world? Oh, no. Very much not so, if I may put it that way. To all outward appearances, she is very heavily protected and well cared for. I see. She was staying at this hotel with a Mrs. Carpenter. I took a look in the hotel register and found that her name is Elvira Blake. Elvira Blake. She was a lovely girl, and so young. Her guardian was a Colonel Luscombe, a very nice man. 
Oh, but oh, so terribly innocent. The Guardian or the girl? Oh, the Guardian. I don't know about the girl. I think she is in some danger. I came across her by chance in Battersea Park. She was sitting in a cafe with a young man. Or perhaps not so very young. The kind of man that I should say is very attractive to women. But his face is a bad face. Cold, hawk-like, predatory. Mm, dangerous. I'm convinced of it. He drives a large and powerful racing car. A racing car? Yes. Once or twice I've seen it standing outside this hotel. You don't remember the number, do you, Miss Marple? Oh, yes, I do. Fan 2266. I had a cousin called Fanny who stuttered. That's how I remember it. Uh, yes, I know the man that you're talking about. He's half French, half Polish, a oh. very well-known racing driver. His name is Ladislaus Malinowski. Ah. And you are quite right. He does have a bad name where women are concerned. Mm -hmm. And he's not a suitable friend for a young girl. No. But, well, it's not so easy to do anything about this kind of thing. Yeah. Do you think she's meeting him on the sly? Almost certainly. Well, I'll see what I can do about it, but it's a tricky business. Oh, uh, by the way, we're not having much luck in finding out exactly what happened to your friend, Canon Pennyfather. Oh, dear. Oh, he's recovering well enough, but he can't recall a thing after getting into a taxi for the air terminal. I suppose that often happens after concussion. Didn't he say anything useful at all? He muttered something about the walls of Jericho. Ah, did he? Yes, well, I found out that there was a film of that name playing at the local Gaumont Cinemas that week. Yes. Uh, not his kind of thing at all, I'd have thought. But it's just possible that he could have gone to see it and then come back here. And in that case, why did no one see him come in? Well, let's suppose he arrived after midnight, uh, took the wrong bus, perhaps. Now, he'd have let himself in, walked up to his room without anyone noticing. Yes, but then what happened? Why did he... Uh... Oh, what was that? Just a car backfiring. Oh, I'm sorry to be so jumpy. I just have a feeling that something is about to happen. Oh, I don't think you need worry. I... I've never liked fog. I just wanted to tell you that you've given me a lot of help, particularly the little things you've noticed about this place. They're all beginning to add up. You mean that there is something wrong about Bertram's hotel? I suspect that there's everything wrong with it. It seemed so wonderful at first, like stepping back into the past, to that part of the past that one has loved and enjoyed. But somehow it wasn't right. It was all mixed up. Real people and people who weren't real. One couldn't always tell them apart. How do you mean, not real? There were retired military men, but there were also what seemed to be military men, but who had never been in the army. And clergymen who weren't clergymen... Take my friend Selina Hazy. It amused me at first how she was always anxious to recognize people she knew and how often they turned out not to be the people she thought they were. And even Rose, the chambermaid. She seemed so perfect at first. Ah, she's not the real thing either. She's an actress. It's a better salary here than she ever got on the stage. Oh, but why? What is the purpose of it all? Oh! Well, that certainly isn't the car backfiring. Excuse me, Miss Marple. Yes. <laughs> Someone tried to kill me. They shot at me. And then this man pushed me back and got in front of me. And there was another shot. 
shot and it hit him. Oh, I think he's hurt badly, hurt. Uh, looks as if he's had it. Yes, I'm afraid he's dead. Oh, no, he can't be dead. He saved my life. Who was it that shot at you? I don't know. I'd left my car around the corner because of the fog and I was trying to find my way to the hotel. And then there was this shot and the commissioner came running over and shoved me behind him. I think whoever did it must have been standing in the gate of the basement area over there. You, you didn't see him? No, not properly. He rushed past me and vanished into the fog. Oh, why should anyone want to kill me? It's the second time it's happened. I don't understand. Come on, come on. Let's get you into the hotel. What is it, Inspector? Has someone been hurt? Your doorman has been shot, Miss Corrins. Shot dead by someone trying to kill this young lady. I can't believe it. Yes, will you get an ambulance over here straight away and ring the police? Of course. What's going on? What was that shooting? For a moment out there in the fog, I thought it was you, Lady Sedwick. There is a considerable resemblance between you and your daughter. It's a pretty violent way to be reunited with a girl you haven't seen since she was two years old. How are you feeling now, Miss Blake? I'm all right now, I think, Inspector. Good, good. I'd like you to answer a few questions, if you feel up to it, because, as I'm sure you both understand, time is of the essence in these things. Sergeant Waddell here will take notes. All right, Sergeant? Yes, Chief Inspector. Now, Miss Blake, you were shot at twice and a man was killed. We want as many clues as we can get to the person who did the shooting. Now, you said that this was the second time somebody tried to kill you. Can you tell us more about what happened on the first occasion? Did I say that? I don't remember. I was just being hysterical. No, I don't think you were, Miss Blake. I think you meant what you said. I might have been imagining things. You'd better tell him, Elvira. Was it something that happened in Italy? Yes. Uh, that's where you were at finishing school, is that right? At Countess Martinelli's. Excuse me, sir. Mm. What was that name? Uh, Martinelli, Sergeant. Thank you, sir. Well, a big box of chocolates came for me at the school. There was a card with them, written in Italian, in a big flowery hand, to the Bellissima Signorina, or something like that. Excuse me, sir. It doesn't matter, Sergeant. It's not important. Uh, Go on, Miss Blake. Well, my friends and I, we all had a laugh about it and wondered who could have sent it. Did it come by post? No, it was put there in my room. Someone must have left it there. He bribed one of the servants, I expect. I don't imagine you told the Countess about it. No, I certainly didn't. Anyway, we opened the box and there were lovely chocolates. There were some violet creams, you know, the ones with the crystallised violet on top. They're my favourites. So, of course, I ate two of those first. And afterwards, in the night, I was terribly ill. But I didn't connect it with the chocolates. I thought it must have been something I'd eaten at dinner. Were any of the other girls ill? No, only me. I was pretty sick, but I'd recovered by the end of the next day and I had another of the chocolates. And the same thing happened again. So Bridget and I, she's my special friend, took a careful look at them... And the violet creams had a hole in the bottom that had been filled in again. So we thought that someone must have put poison in, but only in the violet creams that were my favourites. And you still didn't tell the Countess? Well, no, we didn't. She'd have made a terrible fuss. And you didn't try to find out who'd sent them? Well, you see, I thought that it might have been Guido. I see. Uh, Never mind, Sergeant. And who is Guido? Well, you see, he... he's... Oh, don't be stupid, Elvira. Tell Chief Inspector Davy about Guido, whoever he may be. Every gal of your age has a Guido in her life. You met him there, I imagine. Yes. When the Countess took us to the opera, he spoke to me. 
He was very attractive. I would see him sometimes when we went to art appreciation. He used to pass me notes. And I suppose that you told a lot of lies and your friends covered up for you so that you could sneak out and see him? Yes, that's right. Uh, what I don't understand is why this young man should want to kill you. Oh, it was so silly. He introduced me to some of his friends and I pretended to flirt with them to make him jealous. And he got terribly angry. And he said that if I didn't swear to be faithful to him, he'd kill me. But do you really believe he tried to poison you? No, I suppose I don't. Don't. But who else could it have been? And when I got back to England, I found a note slipped under my door while I was staying at this hotel. What kind of note? It just said, be on your guard. There is someone who intends to kill you. Well, that sounds very odd. Were you frightened? I began to wonder why anybody could possibly want to kill me. Then the other day, I was standing waiting in the tube and there was a great crowd of people and I'm certain someone tried to push me on the line. My dear child, you're imagining things. Oh, maybe I have been in the past, but after what happened tonight, it must be true. Don't you see? Can't you tell me? Is there anyone who wants to kill me, Mother? Don't be an idiot. <laughs> Nobody wants to kill you. Why should they? Then who shot at me tonight? In that fog, you might have been mistaken for someone else. It's quite possible. Don't you think so, Chief Inspector? Yes, yes, it's possible. Uh, but tell me, Miss Blake, what were you doing outside Bertram's hotel anyway? I'd been to see an exhibition at the Tate with my friend Bridget. I was planning to drive back to the Melford house in Kent, but then the fog came down and I couldn't see a thing. I got as far as Hyde Park Corner and I realised that I would have to give up the whole idea. I knew I was quite close to the hotel where I'd stayed with Uncle Derek and I was sure they'd be able to find a room for me. I was just coming up to the hotel when I heard the shot. It seemed to go right past my ear. The commissioner came running out towards me and he pushed me behind him and then... Steady, girl. Steady now. And then, when I got into the hotel, I saw you. I'd never really seen you before. Not like that. And I... Shh, gently now. <laughs> gently. Um, Miss Blake, <laughs> do you know a man called Ladislaus Malinowski? No. Ah. No, I don't. I thought that you might. I had an idea that he might be here this evening. Why should he be here? Well, his car is parked close by. I don't know him. You do, of course, Lady Sedgwick. Naturally, known him for years. He's a madman, but you can't help admiring him. Drives like the devil. He'll break his neck one of these days. Would you mind if I went to bed now, Inspector? I'm terribly tired. I'll come up with you. Good night, Inspector. Good night, Miss Elvira. Poor girl. What a terrible experience. She's lying. She knows Malinowski, all right. Do you really think so, sir? I know so, Sergeant. She had tea with him in Battersea Park only a day or two ago. Well, how did you find that out, sir? A sharp-eyed old lady saw them together. Didn't think he was a nice friend for a young girl. Well, she's right, of course. Especially if he and the girl's mother... I want him picked up, Sergeant. You'll find his car just around the corner. F-A-N-2266. I came back because I wanted to talk to you, Inspector Davy. I pretended to Elvira I'd forgotten something. Oh, well, won't you sit down, Lady Sedgwick? I wonder if I could speak to you alone. I'd like a word or two in private. Oh, I don't see why not. Uh, perhaps you'll look into that little matter I mentioned, Sergeant? Oh, of course, sir. I don't believe a word of that about the poison chocolates, Inspector. I think she deliberately made it up. But I don't understand why. Well, if you don't know, how should I? She's your daughter. You know her better than I do. I don't know her at all. I've not seen her or had anything to do with her since she was two years old when I ran away from my husband. Oh, yes, yes, I know all that. I was always curious why the court didn't give you custody of the child. It's usual, even if the mother is the guilty party in a divorce. Uh, presumably you didn't ask for it. You uh, didn't want it. I thought it better not. 
On moral grounds? Goodness, no. Plenty of adultery about. Children have to learn to grow up with it. No, it's just that I'm not a safe person to be with. I was born to live dangerously. I thought it would be better for Elvira to have a conventional English upbringing, shielded, looked after. But without a mother's love, do you still think you were right? No, I don't. I think I may have been entirely wrong. Does your daughter know Ladislaus Malinowski? I'm sure she doesn't. She said so. You heard her. Oh, yes, yes, I heard her. She was afraid, you know, when she was sitting here. Your daughter was scared out of her wits. I know fear when I see it. Can you give me an idea of who might want to kill her? Nobody, nobody at all. I think that it's possible the killer could have mistaken her for somebody else. I believe she's due to inherit quite a considerable fortune when she comes of age. Yes, a fair amount of money will come her way. And if the gunman tonight had succeeded in killing her, who would that money have gone to? To her next of kin. And who is that? I am Chief Inspector Davy. I hope you're not accusing me of trying to kill my own daughter. Nothing of the kind, Lady Sedgwick. But you must admit it opens up a very interesting field of speculation, doesn't it? Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>